I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by VP and Principal Analyst, Mary Pilecki, to discuss the evolution of customer loyalty. Welcome, Mary. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks. This is great, Mary. So you have new research coming up in CX North America, and uh, loosely it's focused on you're you're going to say that there is a customer loyalty evolution um, that's probably evolving right now, but you know is certainly going to evolve over the next couple of years. And it's really interesting because you know brands across categories have had lots of valuable initiatives. Um, especially in quick serve, fast casual retail. And of course, the last few years, there's been a massive leap uh, in the strategies, how we sell, how we serve customers. Loyalty has been more valuable than ever. Um, Let's dive into where you're thinking the research is going or where it already is. Uh, What do you mean by evolution and what's driving this? Loyalty has evolved since the 1800s, right? So we had uh, copper coins that were given out by merchants to Americans in the 1800s to be used uh, in future transactions. So it's been evolving steadily, but the last two and a half years when the pandemic started, when we had uh, a resurgence in um, consumer activism, social activism, and then the challenges resulting from the pandemic, both the economic issues, um, the health and safety issues, as well as things like supply chain and the lack of products being available, that has forced uh, loyalty to evolve even more and much faster right now. So you could almost say it's a revolution, but I believe loyalty is going to continue on this long-term evolution. We've just seen acceleration in the last couple of years. And we know specifically that loyalty is it's hotter than ever. Uh, we did a survey in January of um, VPs and above, marketing VPs and above, and we found that uh, 73% of them have a loyalty initiative. 41% have strategies and 32% have an actual structured program. And then another 24% are planning to have one within the next year. Only 3% in that survey said they have no initiatives for loyalty or plans for them. So it's really coming to the forefront. Uh, Brands that haven't had loyalty programs in the past are starting them, um, primarily to retain the new customers they've gotten or to, um, uh, to engage, keep their customers engaged. So have they been really effective? And, and actually, maybe you can talk about, were they effective before uh, the last couple of years? And has anything changed there? Yes, brands are very reluctant to share their real results. What we know is that loyalty has been effective, um, but what consumers want has changed. So traditionally, when loyalty programs started, even, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, it was really about financial rewards. So instant discounts or free sample of products um, or earning a currency like points or miles with an airline strategy. And 
what consumers want now is they still want the, those uh, financial rewards, but they also want experiential rewards. So things like better customer service, having their feedback listened to and actually responded to, uh, early access to new products. So Nike is great with that. Um, if you're a member of their loyalty program at a certain tier, you can get early access to the latest sneaker. And that's a big deal in the sneaker clubs, right? Um, and, uh, and so they are wanting almost equally the financial and the experiential rewards. And the other thing about loyalty now is that consumers join loyalty programs because they want to feel special. They want um, offers um, and promotions that aren't available to just anybody. And um, they want personalized offers that really are relevant to them. And that's one of the key reasons they join. So um, brands that have been tracking this and modifying their programs have become even more successful uh, because they are giving the customer what they want and the customer is rewarding them with the three major outcomes of loyalty, retention, um, enrichment, so they're buying more products and services, and advocacy, they're referring. How has sort of a digital acceleration, both on the consumer side, and I'm assuming, you know, transformation on, on the enterprise side, has, have you seen any sort of in palpable impacts of that in the space as well? Oh, yes. Um, I mean, the pandemic really forced brands that hadn't done that digital transformation to make good on their promises to get there. So beyond some of the changes like offering curbside pickup, we saw a lot of brands move from punch cards, remember those, buy, buy 10, get one free in a manual punch card. We saw them move from punch cards to actual digital apps. A great example of this is Dutch Bros. It's a coffee company in the western part of the United States. And in January 2021, they launched their loyalty app, moving from punch cards to loyalty. In the first month, they um, signed up 1 million customers, which was huge for them. And in the last year, they've, um, they've made 300% of their first year goal. And 60% uh, of their transactions are coming now through loyalty and through the loyalty app. So making that change to digital will um, almost inevitably make the brand, um, make the loyalty program more successful. So Mary, you're actually raising a very interesting point because you mentioned Nike, who has a very established brand. And so we went into lockdown and we had all these things. And so it was kind of the perfect time for them to roll out some new things, you know, for loyalty. And then there was probably a bunch of brands that were unfortunate that like they were launching and then all of a sudden a pandemic happened and then there's those brands that were in the thick of it that were probably just scrambling to look for things that they could do to get to keep their business rolling after they launched it so there's different phases of like i guess different maturities of where the businesses were and loyalty became a new tool can you talk about what goes on there Sure. So there were brands that uh, initially weren't set up digitally to serve their customers. So they were losing customers at the beginning of the pandemic. Customers couldn't get to them, couldn't buy their products. 
So they moved, they tried to launch, move into the digital world and launch um, digital business models and digital apps so that they could get those customers back. Meanwhile, those consumers were going to new brands. So they were switching brands because they couldn't access the first ones. And also because consumers are really uh, right now very willing to experiment. So they're going to other brands and those brands were immediately tried to update their loyalty programs so that they could retain those new customers, which was really key. Um, and so there is a, um, a home improvement brand out there, uh, which I can't name, but they actually started a loyalty program because they were getting so many new customers um, that they started a program and they found it very, very effective and they've actually just revamped it because um, they're now holding on to these brand new customers that they got. That's fantastic, Mary. So um, another thing that I'm thinking about is that um, there was lots of platforms and technologies that existed a couple of years ago. Um, not only all these interesting changes that you're talking about, how businesses were operating, um, but now we also have, you know, uh, shifts in data, data deprecation, actually. Um, there's a lots of things going on with the nuances of the consumer. We got a lot of unrest. We have activism. We have all these things. Uh, and supply chain disruption is another thing that I know that you're curious about and how effective loyalty. So um, data has always been a huge piece, actually, that one in particular of, of the kind of the IP, if you will, around loyalty. Um, talk about some of those shifts, because I bet those are some of the inputs to why you're talking about the evolution is is about to unfold. Absolutely. So, so data is now more important than ever um, uh, in loyalty. Uh, because of data deprecation, you know, the third-party cookies going away, the privacy laws are expanding globally, and we have players like Apple who are blocking ad tracking software. Marketers don't have the same amount of data that they've had in the past, and they're scrambling. One of the best ways to get data is to use your loyalty program to ask customers for what we call zero-party data, which is personal data that a customer will give you freely and proactively. Often that's exchanged in exchange for some value. And the thing about it is zero-party data is so much better, so much more accurate than third-party data. So, and you can do it in a relatively inexpensive manner. So we've actually updated our uh, business case, our ROI on loyalty programs to include um, a savings of purchasing third-party data. You can reduce that, your purchases of third-party data um, by uh, trying to collect zero-party data. And we do this in a variety of ways through gamification, through just surveys, there's, you know, one-time surveys, but, um, you know, really interesting, you'll see uh, little quizzes pop up on your loyalty app, say from a fashion brand, and they'll show six different versions of a person wearing different types of outfits. And they just might ask you, pick the one that is closest to what you're most comfortable wearing, right? And that all of a sudden gives that brand an idea that I like jeans and sweatshirts more than I like elegant dresses. 
And so then they're going to personalize towards me and send me offers when their jeans and sweatshirts are on sale versus when their, you know, evening gowns are on sale. So data is critical, but also, um, you know, we're also doing other research um, to look at how the loyalty technology ecosystem works. And there's so much overlap with the traditional marketing technology ecosystem. And so we're finalizing some research now that really looks at um, finding the modules in loyalty that are critical to loyalty. So loyalty has campaign management, but so does your marketing cloud. Um, but what your marketing cloud doesn't have is your currency management, your program management, things very specific to loyalty. So we're, we're advocating to find the best of breed or what's best for you and bring those together. The benefits beyond the technology savings and all are really that you're then bringing together your data because today, traditionally, we still see marketing um, siloed from the loyalty marketers. And so when a loyalty marketing campaign goes out, it might go to Keith, you might, Keith, you might get a personalized campaign for your loyalty program. But at the same time, you might get a different campaign from that same brand that's not loyalty related. And that's sending two different messages. It's not using the data effectively. So there's a lot of uh, benefit in leveraging your loyalty data across all of marketing. And I would argue also from like an experience perspective, right? From a customer service perspective. I mean, that was where I was gonna go in terms of the, you know, connecting the dots from a data point of view. Yes, marketing programs, but also experientially. I mean, we know that that's just a, a, a pain point for, for consumers. Um, we're all consumers, right? So we, we understand that that is still a, a gap today. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and we're seeing more and more, we're seeing loyalty marketers start to embed customer experience into the loyalty uh, life cycle, but it's not all there yet. Yep. So, um, you know, we've seen some great opportunities. Um, Antonelli's Cheese is a small cheese shop in Austin, Texas. Um, it was really B2B focused, it supplied restaurants with specialty cheeses, but it also had a store. And when the pandemic hit, they had to change their business model and they did it in 10 days. So they did it by adding B2C focused experiences. They added things like curbside delivery, but they also started new online events like a cheese tasting or um, ordering, having, you know, 20 minutes with uh, a cheesemonger to order the cheese for your party, which, um, so it's a personalized experience and it made buying so much easier for the customer. So there's that experience and it's going to bring them back. We tie customer experience so closely to loyalty because customer experience we measure by the ease of transaction the effectiveness and then the emotions that you generate and all of those lead to your outcomes in loyalty which traditionally are retention enrichment and advocacy so the more you can build a better customer experience into signing up for your loyalty program um, or into redeeming your points um, and 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 leverage that experience across all your customers, whether they're loyalty or not, 
you know, how do you, how easy do you make it to respond to a personalized offer, whether it's a loyalty offer or not? You know, do I have to click on 17 buttons? Do I have to go into the store? Um, do I have to copy and paste the code into my uh, shopping cart and the copy and paste never works and then the code doesn't work? The, the better you make that experience, the easier and more effective you make it for the customer. And so then you're generating more loyalty. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, you're naturally going here, but an obvious way for firms to evolve their loyalty programs, right? That That's one lever, that customer experience lever you were just describing. You know, are there one or two other levers that leaders could be pulling here to push their programs and initiatives forward? Sure. So um, there's the customer experience lever, there's the digital lever, which we talked about, and the data lever. The other one that's really important is the emotional connection, um, because emotions drive behavior. And uh, the last thing you want is for the customer to feel nothing about your brand. They're unlikely to act towards you. So we know that customers who feel appreciated actually are far more likely to stay with the brand, to buy more with the brand, and to advocate for the brand. One of the ways you can generate emotions um, is to leverage your corporate values. More and more consumers are values-based buyers, and they want to do business with brands that have values that align with theirs. Um, and so if you look at a brand like Bomba's Socks, they make it very easy to help your community because for every pair of socks or underwear or t-shirt you buy from them, they donate one of the same to a uh, homeless shelter. And so you don't have to do anything. You're just buying your socks. You get your socks. But then from an experience perspective, you're not only um, easily donating to a shelter, you are also uh, getting that emotion that you feel good about it, right? And you're feeling like you're doing something good for the, for the world. Uh, the North Face has this opportunity for a second chance gear. So you can either uh, trade in your gear and upgrade, um, or you can buy used gear. Um, and so it's not going to waste, it's not going into a landfill. So then we have, you know, you're addressing the sustainability issues. So emotional connections can tie very closely to values-based buying, but also just how you make the customer feel when you're engaging them with a game or, um, you know, you're getting them that offer that is truly personalized and it's a good deal for them. Um, that will make them feel appreciated, valued, respected, which are all important uh, emotions. Uh, it is tax time. Um, you had that Bombas example. Does that mean I can write off my socks? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't believe so. I think Bombas gets to oh, do that. <laughs> but but there's another way. There's another way, and that's um, Grove Collaborative is a sustainable uh, home products and beauty products company. And they actually, you can just go to part of their shopping, part of their uh, products, and you can buy for like $2.92, replanting three trees in California from the fires or um, uh, restoring grassland in the United States or helping um, uh, support 
the environment for African animals. And all you do is click on it and add it to the cart. And that you can, uh, Keith, use in your taxes. Nice. I can't wait for that. <laughs> I don't need another write-off. Because you're actually, you're actually spending it. <laughs> cool. So, Mary, there was one more lever. You talked about the digital lever, but... You know, when I think about it, it's like the last couple of decades have been really the evolution in digital. Um, but uh, if you're going to make it a lever, you're suggesting that there's more digital to come or something different. Can you talk about the digital lever before we let you go? Sure. So uh, gamification is one of the biggest areas where digital is playing a part these days. Um, and that's, that's a way to keep your customers engaged. And the more they come to the site, your, their, your app, or the more they think about you, um, the more likely they are to stay with you and buy. So Chipotle um, offered a, a, a race to rewards program um, late last year where customers could win a new Tesla um, by uh, competing in a digital racing game. And this was, this was also a play to acquire customers into their loyalty program. So you had to be a loyalty program member, but uh, somebody actually won a Tesla and other people won lots of different uh, things like free guacamole at uh, Chipotle. But what's really interesting is that we know at the start of the pandemic, Chipotle's digital sales accounted for 18% of their business. And today, over 45% of their business is generated digitally. So gamification is one way, but we're also moving into the metaverse and NFTs. And we saw Clinique last year um, offer a sweepstakes, again, to acquire members uh, into their loyalty program where um, you could enter a sweepstakes once you were a member and win one of three uh, NFTs that were um, different uh, Clinique logos. And the three winners won each this individual NFT, but also they won 10 years of free products from Clinique. It was very, very hot. So we're seeing a lot more activity in NFTs um, lots of brands are considering offering cryptocurrency as their currency instead of points or miles or the ability to exchange your points or miles into cryptocurrency. So digital is just going to continue to expand. You know, we know that there are brands buying real estate in the metaverse and there are brands trademarking how they're going to operate in the metaverse. And so we're currently exploring loyalty and the metaverse as well. So that's why I say this is an evolution. This is going to continue, um, you know, at different paces. But right now we're accelerating. Well, this was great, Mary. CX North America is a couple months away, but you have to have a couple of great pieces of advice that, you know, our audience can act on right now as they prepare for uh, what you have in store for us. What can you offer right now? It's all about CX. So remember that the experience measured by ease, effectiveness, and emotions generated leads to loyalty outcomes. So CX pros really, they need to connect with their loyalty colleagues. I can't say that every loyalty colleague is thinking about CX. So go over and talk to them. Um, you know, great CX has to be embedded into everything you do with loyalty. So, um, you know, make it easy to navigate a reward, make it easy to redeem your points. Um, so go help them. 
and also continue to listen to your customers. We've seen some of the best changes to loyalty programs come after a brand has surveyed their customers. So the Gap surveyed their customers. They joined all four of their uh, brands, Banana Republic, Navy, uh, Old Navy, and Athleta. They joined all four programs together so you can earn and burn across of them. But they also heard from their customers that a thousand point threshold was just too high for them to redeem and they never felt they could get to a redemption stage. Well, somebody who isn't redeeming their points isn't going to stay loyal with you. The, the loyalty program's worthless to them. So they reduced that. So CX, loyalty marketers and CX pros, please talk to each other and listen to your customers. They will tell you what they want. Fantastic. Thank you, Mary. Great information. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Really fun. To delve deeper into the customer loyalty evolution, join Mary and other Forrester analysts at CX North America on June 7th through 9th. Meet us in person in Nashville or virtually. Register now at forcom slash CX-NA-2022. That's forr.com slash CX-NA-2022. Thanks for listening.